Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Claire Chats, the podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and if you're not familiar with Claire Chats, it's actually more than just a podcast. It's a multifaceted personal brand I started back in the beginning of this year, 2020, and you can find all of the content on clairechats.com. There's actually now a window that pops up when you get to the website. It allows you to sign up for email notifications so that when new content goes out on the website, you'll get notified via your email. So I'm really excited about that new feature, and I really do hope you guys subscribe so that you see all of the new content getting released on Clear Chats. Okay, so if you saw the title of this podcast episode, it is titled, You Are What You Consume. And the most basic understanding of this saying is essentially the same as you are what you eat. So you've probably heard that saying before. It's very overused, but it's definitely true. If you eat crappy food, you typically feel crappy and you tend to um, look, your body tends to also um, exhibit the food you are eating. So like if you're eating unhealthy, it's going to affect your body in a negative way. I was very choice with my words, if you didn't tell by that. (laughs) Um, Whereas on the flip side, if you're eating healthy and you're eating good food for your body, you typically tend to feel a lot better about it. And then you also tend to look a lot better. So your body exhibits the food you're eating. And if it's healthy, then your body tends to be a lot more healthy and more in shape. Now, that same idea can be applied to the saying, you are what you consume. And when I say consume, I'm talking specifically about media. So media like social media, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok, all those apps out there. I feel like there's more because they just keep. And then also um, things like TV shows, movies, I would argue even books and magazines and then news. News is a big one, too. So any sort of media, you know, anything that falls under that media umbrella is what I'm talking about when I say you are what you consume. I would say that uh, there's already been, honestly, a lot of articles and YouTube videos on this topic, but I feel like most of them don't get at the topic from a spiritual perspective or a Christian perspective. A lot of them get at the, the topic from a psychological or emotional perspective. So how what you consume affects you psychologically and affects you you emotionally, like your emotional health. Um, so... I feel like the effects of media that we're consuming is so impactful to our spiritual uh, spiritual walk, our walk with God, even more, arguably even more than it is with our psychological, like our psychological health or our mental health um, and, and how we think and how we behave and also emotional, like our emotional health. And that should say something because if you read a lot of uh, scientific um, research out there and um, articles about the media you consume and how it affects you psychologically and emotionally, they already claim that it, it affects you in so many big ways. And I would argue that it affects you even more in more big ways in, with your spiritual health and your walk with God. So let's dive into what it looks like with, you know, you are what you consume. Now, there are some there are going to be some naysayers out there. I was one of them. <laughs> that would argue that the media you consume doesn't have a direct impact or a direct effect on you as a person. Because when we, when we think of you are what you eat, 
this idea that if you eat healthy or you eat unhealthy, you see the direct effects in a physical way. You can see it with your weight. You can see it with how you're feeling. Like if you're really fatigued all the time, there's a good chance that you're just not eating right for your body. It affects you emotionally. So you typically feel a lot more depressed. Like so that saying makes sense. But with you are what you consume, a lot of people would argue that because there's no um, you can't acknowledge typically the direct effects that the media you consume has on you, then there aren't any effects at all, which I, I would say is just a neglectful argument because you're ignoring the, the, the fact that it does have an effect. There's research out there, yada, yada. Um, but I want to talk about specifically under the assumption that we believe that what you consume already affects who you are. And if you don't believe that, I would you know, encourage you to have an open mind when you listen to this podcast episode. So you, you are what you consume. My example for this was going to be one that kind of happened. Hmm, it started when I was in middle school, but I actually am going to give a couple of different examples um, to try to highlight various ways that the media you consume can affect various areas of your life and that really do impact um, your walk as a Christian and can uh, stunt your ability to embody uh, Christlikeness and embody love as God calls us to do. So my first example is going to be one, like I said, from when I was in middle school. There was this really popular show back in the day called The Vampire Diaries. It was on the CW. It was, um, I want to say it ran for like seven seasons. And it was one of the most popular shows. Like everybody on the bus would talk about it in middle school. Everybody was obsessed with the three main characters. There was like a love triangle going between the three of them. And the show, if you couldn't already tell by the title... The Vampire Diaries, it was based off of these two um, these two vampire guys that were both in love with the same human girl and like the struggles they faced trying to like live their lives as vampires, but also be in love with this human. And so me and my sister would literally sit down every Thursday night getting so excited to watch this show. And I remember one night in particular, me and my sister were watching a new episode. My dad walked downstairs and saw us watching it. And of course, the timing of it was impeccable. It was literally um, in the middle of a sex scene between two characters. And this show in particular, because it was a teenage drama, it was implied sex. It wasn't like obvious sex that was happening. But I mean, we knew and my dad knew. He looked at both of us and he was I could see the disappointment in his eyes. And I immediately felt ashamed and guilty for watching something like this and I got defensive before he could even say anything and I was like dad dad it's just a show and I was kind of laughing and I thought it was funny and he got mad and he was like Claire this is sugar-coated this is so, like this is not Christian-like at all why are you watching the show um and my argument was like oh dad it's just a show it's just fiction like the story is actually really good and blah 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 and my dad's like Claire, like this, you're going to see, like, it's going to affect your way of thinking. You don't know it now, but it's going to affect you. And I took it as, well, let's be honest. I think I was being a little snarky when I had this response. I'm like, dad, we're not going to become vampires. And I remember at that point he was so disappointed. Like he was so frustrated. He just kind of walked away and left us watching the show. And from that point on, I was a lot more discreet about the shows I watched because I knew that after having my dad react the way he did about that show, that he wasn't going to like anything else I watched because they were all, it was all pretty much the same thing. It was all these teenage dramas 
with all this like heavy sexual romance and that was just like what was popular like that's what kids were into and I wanted to be part of that and to watch those shows and be able to talk to the kids on my bus about those shows so after the Vampire Diaries ended I actually didn't watch it all the way to the end there that kind of started me down a rabbit hole of binge watching other shows that were similar so other CW shows that were also like heavily dramatic heavily unrealistic um and my justification to myself was that, you know, it's just fiction. It's just entertainment. It's not, you know, I kind of, de- my dad's voice kept coming back to say, you know, this is sugarcoated. This is going to affect you more than you think. And I just kept justifying it to myself. Like, it's just a show. Like, it's just fiction. And I would take it in a very literal way. And if it was like a fantasy show, I would say, well, I'm not, you know, in the case of the vampire show, I was like, I'm not going to become a vampire. Like, what does he think? I'm not going to become a cheater. Like in the show with this character, like, I'm not going to do this or that. And so that was my argument. That was my justification of watching these shows. Well, it got to a point where once I reached high school, the next big thing was Game of Thrones. And for those who are familiar with that show, I feel like a lot of people are. But that show was heavily, like, as a Christian and honestly as a normal, like, just a regular average person, um, anybody could look at that show and say that a lot of the episodes contain full-on porn. Um, there are a lot of episodes that have sex scenes that are very, very revealing, very explicit, which makes the show rated R for a reason. Um, and I remember watching that show and I was like very careful about when I would watch it, where I would watch it. Like I didn't want my parents knowing that I was watching Game of Thrones because it was something that as a Christian, like it was very shameful because of the nudity and the sex And again, still my justification, because Game of Thrones was based in this renaissance fictional world, I justified it as being solely entertainment and not being real life and that I knew better. Like there was nothing about this show or the aspects of like the storyline or the characters that would affect me directly. I remember that I was starting to date at that point and I had a very unrealistic expectation of what a romantic relationship was meant to look like. And I, like I, in my mind, it wasn't directly correlated to the shows and the media I was consuming. And this idea that the romance I was going to experience in that kind of relationship was going to be this all-fulfilling, like, amazing, euphoric uh, love that was just going to make me the happiest person alive. And looking back and now saying that, too, I'm just like, that is so unrealistic. I mean, not that um, a relationship like a marriage can't be an amazing gift from God, because I think it can be, but my expectation of what a dating relationship was going to look like was not realistic whatsoever. When I say that, I'm typically, I'm, I'm talking about like going into this relationship, this new romantic relationship. And you know that euphoric feeling you get in the beginning of the relationship? It's that honeymoon phase, as they call it, or those rose-tinted glasses, as my dad calls it. It's this just like this overwhelming, overwhelming euphoria you get when you're getting to know somebody new. And it's just like, to me, I thought that's what romance was. I thought that's what love was. You're just constantly like happy and bubbly all the time. And it's mainly just based on this feeling you have in your chest, right? It's like this reaction. And there's actually science, literal science behind it, that there are chemicals being released in your body in the beginning of relationships that creates that euphoria that, that are heavily tied to the same chemicals that are released when you experience happiness. So it can become an addiction just like working out can become an addiction some people are addicted to going to the gym all the time because it's the same chemicals being released that trigger this feeling of euphoria or this feeling of happiness after you've worked out 
And so I thought I had these unrealistic expectations that a relationship was meant to be that feeling and to be that feeling 24-7. And I based it off the fact and not directly. Again, I wasn't thinking like, oh, like it ha- a relationship for me has to look like this because of this TV show I watched or this media I consumed. There wasn't a direct correlation in my brain, but subconsciously there was because all of the, I look at all the media I've consumed over the years, almost every single media I can think of that's like romance driven and most media is because they, they, they encourage this idea that the best version of, of happiness is through the romance and the love that they're selling. And so I remember struggling for quite some time through several relationships going, you know, leaving, graduating high school, going into college and constantly ending up with the same results to a point that I was literally becoming a romance addict. I would spend so much of my time fantasizing about an amazing romantic relationship or watching romance dramas and stuff like that and just constantly wishing and hoping that some man would come along and fulfill this like image of what I thought romance and love was. And it was really, really um, not only intoxicating in a very bad way, but it was very, very bad for my uh, spiritual journey as well. Like my spiritual health in a sense, because I always felt like I not that I fully directly blamed God, but I constantly would turn back to him and be like, why? Like, why is this happening? Why does this keep happening where it doesn't turn out the way I wanted to. It ends up in heartbreak. And oftentimes I justified it as, okay, that guy just wasn't the right guy. And to some extent, yeah, it's true. Like the past relationships I've had, you know, they just weren't the right guys to begin with for me specifically. And I wasn't the right girl for them. However, that wasn't, I was using that as justification for my behavior and my unrealistic expectations so that the next relationship that would come along, I would still have the same unrealistic expectations of how the relationship was meant to pan out. And you might be wondering, okay, like I keep saying unrealistic expectations. What do I mean by that? All of this media I was consuming was affecting my understanding of what romance was supposed to look like and what love was supposed to look like. And I thought because of all these intense romances happening in movies and shows like The Vampire Diaries, that it was all just a feeling. And so I like sought that feeling out. And honestly, because that feeling is mainly just chemicals, like sorry to simplify it that much, but because that feeling in the beginning, that euphoric feeling in the beginning of getting to know somebody in a romantic relationship, that feeling is um, the chemicals being released in your body that's triggering this feeling. Like it was so easy to simulate with any willing person. I was able to date pretty much anybody and I dated very different guys over the years. Like they weren't similar really whatsoever. I was able to simulate that feeling for a couple months. I think the longest one was a year because they say actually that your body can only handle going a year of that euphoric feeling and then you burn out or they call it relationship disenchantment. And that feeling would die. And then I would start noticing things about the person that I was like, wait, like that does like that doesn't compute with me. Like that's not compatible with my life. Wait, what about this and this and this? And sometimes in certain relationships, I regret to say, and again, I'm sharing these things with you, even though they're personal to me, like I want to set examples that could potentially save people from the heartbreak that I went through or the issues I went through. I want to like bring examples to you guys from my own personal life that could help you guys, even though that's putting me in a very like honest and vulnerable place, which is kind of scary sharing with whoever's listening to this podcast. But one thing I noticed is that once that euphoric feeling wore off, 
the best alternative was sex. And it wasn't in every relationship that that happened, but once I became desensitized enough to the idea of sex before marriage, which media does such a great job doing, desensitizing you to this idea that sex is just a transaction, it's just this casual thing you do with people, maybe people you barely even know, and that it's not this uh, incredible gift that's so valuable and so amazing and is meant to be experienced as the commitment, as the end-all like intimacy between you and your husband or your wife. Like, because I'd become desensitized to sex, and once that door opened, that door was really hard to close. And that became the replacement for the fact that the euphoric feeling had worn off. And so that held up relationships that I was in for longer than they probably had, had should have run for. All of this fed to, into my unrealistic expectation of what romance was, what love was, but it always led to a breakup with in intense, intense heartbreak. Intense heartbreak. And part of the reason was because I became so intimately involved in those relationships that it was literally like an emotional divorce. <laughs> like, it had such an impact. And so, again, like, all of this was because of my unrealistic expectations that were painted by the media I was consuming. But... Yeah, so that's just one example of how media can really affect your way of thinking, how it can negatively affect your walk with God. Obviously, I was committing sins in those relationships that weren't helping my relationship with God, and it drove me away from God for many years. I was so entrapped in that mindset that was being framed by the media I was consuming, like what a relationship was meant to look like, and I wasn't looking to what the Bible said about that. You know, what God expected of me with that. And it led to a lot of problems, you know, and it was uh, it led to an addiction to an addiction to that feeling, the euphoric feeling, thinking that's what love was. And so, yeah, such so as one example. Oh, it's a lot to get off my chest. <laughs> I feel like you just you guys had a peek into Claire's personal life. Sorry, but that's just, you know, that's part of Claire Chats is I part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to or not just this podcast, but this personal brand is like provide insight into the experiences I've had to better like teach people to avoid the things I've experienced specifically, not, like specifically with things that were s rooted in sin or led me away from God. I want to be able to share my testimony in an honest way, even as much as it makes me feel ashamed, but I know that God has forgiven me. So that's all that matters. And if I can use my past mistakes and my past sin, two very different things, if I can use my past mistakes and my past sin as examples so that people can learn from it, then heck yeah, that's what I want to do. Even though it can be hard sometimes because it brings back memories and emotions that make me feel kind of crappy, but <laughs> that's all right. It's for a good cause. So yeah, so that's one example. There's one other short example I wanted to give how media can affect our thinking. One that I think that many people can relate to and it's politics. And I specifically had this experience not that many months ago. You know, this year has been the, the craziest year in a while um, in terms of politics because it's, it's election season soon. It's the election um, this year. And so Social media especially has just been blowing up with division and hatred and um, and just stuff being thrown 
from both sides of the fence. And so earlier this year, I thought that, you know, before all of this started, I was like, oh, it'd be nice to follow some political accounts on Instagram in order to kind of broaden my view and to um, be informed so that if people asked me and and I, I would get this a lot from friends and like just random people too who'd ask me my political like uh, beliefs and my political position. And I wanted to be able to engage in conversation with people um, from a very informed way, like in an, in a very informed way. And I didn't want to sound like I was just saying, oh, I believe this because I believe this. And so in the beginning of this of this year, I I had started following a lot of political accounts on Instagram in hopes of like trying to um, get more information and to better solidify my beliefs, my political beliefs, so I could talk about them. And so at first it was fine, you know, like it was just these accounts that were either leaning one way or the other, or they were kind of in the middle. And it was nice to just have that as informative news in a sense, because, um, you know, I feel like I, I, I wasn't really one to watch news. So social media was like the next best thing. And so I was doing that and it was cool. And then all of a sudden there was this switch that happened and it was kind of right around when COVID hit. Um, but a lot of a lot of these accounts suddenly became very, not just controversial, because, I mean, that's a kind of a given if you're going to have an opinion on one side or the other, but they became very hateful. And I was surprised because I believed that, like, I was, like, surprised that these people I thought were, like, trying to embody, you know, these pro, these pro-human views, like, being about love and, like, peace and stuff, like, suddenly they weren't. And I noticed that, like, my my emotional health went down so quick. And part of it was because, like, COVID hit and there was so much controversy around that. And, like, the news made it all gloom and doom. And, like, so then there was that going on. But then there was also the um, the protests and then also the rioting and looting happening and all of this controversy around that. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, Every time I opened social media, it was that I was getting bombarded with just this hateful, like discouraging news. And I quickly started to become more depressed. It started to greatly affect my mentality to the point where I was frustrated. I was on a regular basis frustrated because now with it being election season coming up, like everybody was starting to talk about politics more. They were starting to voice their opinions more, even when people didn't like necessarily ask for that or like ask to talk about it or start the conversation people would just openly voice their views and I was getting to a point where literally with people in like in person having conversations with people and suddenly they'd voice their opinions on politics and I would just get so frustrated I didn't even want to listen to them and I realized that these political accounts I was following was starting to directly affect my patients and directly affect the way I converse and interact with people and it started to change like I no longer embodied God's love I was trying to embody God's love and everything as a Christian but now that I was allowing myself to be wrapped up in politics like I was not I was not embodying God's love anymore I was starting to get just as angry and just as frustrated and borderline hateful like all the rest of the people and so I was like oh gosh, like this is, I'm not left or right first. I'm Christian first. Like that's my top priority. 
And if anything else takes priority above that, then my priorities aren't straight. And so it really did impact me directly. And so I quickly, like, I fo- I uh, unfollowed all of these accounts. I kept literally two or maybe three that I felt were very um, peaceful and, and gentle and embodied this idea that God wants us to be loving and kind. And I noticed immediately, like, my my mood just got way better. And so that's just another example. And I think it's one that's probably way more familiar um, for people. That really does impact. It greatly impacts your your mood and your patience and your mentality and the way you interact with your behavior, the way you interact with people. And so when I started cutting out um, those accounts, like my mood got better. And again, back to my previous example about my relationship, you know, my romance addiction and my my relationship issues and my skewed understanding of what a romantic relationship was meant to look like. A couple of months ago, I started doing some heavy research into what biblical dating looked like. Turned out to be the complete opposite of what I've always done in the past, which didn't really surprise me at that point. So then I learned, you know, what did what did biblical dating look like defined by God's terms? And that helped me better understand how dating should be done. Um, and then also redefining romance and love based off of God's terms. So reading stories in the Bible about God's love for us and then um, humans loving other humans and that sort of thing. But then cutting out the media that was feeding that old mentality. And it's kind of quite sad because I didn't realize how much of that media was actually, how much of the media I was consuming was actually enforcing that mentality. It wasn't just movies and TV shows as I've now cut out. I no longer watch Netflix And I've noticed, like, it's not a night and day difference, but it's definitely made a difference. Um, It's definitely started to really change my perspective. I still have a lot of work to do because talk about literally years of indoctrination of watching movies and TV shows and looking at social media that enforced this romance and love that was so unrealistic for me. But um, so it's going to take some time and effort and work to really build up a new definition, you know, of what romance and love is meant to look like. However, taking those first steps has really made a difference for me and has made things easier. Um, I still struggle with like the withdrawals of my romance addiction, but um, I think as I continue on my journey and I focus on God and I um, try to filter the media I'm consuming in a way that really enforces my relationship with God, that is going to have much better effects than what I was watching and consuming before. So yeah, that kind of sums it up. I'm sorry, this episode went way longer than I wanted it to, but that's because I had so much to share with you guys. Wherever you are, um, if you aren't subscribed to Claire Chats, definitely do that, especially if you loved this episode or even just liked it a little bit because there's more content to come. You can subscribe to just the podcast if you want via wherever you're listening to it or if you're on the website, there's a little window that pops up when you first go on the website And it allows you to enter your email to get notifications as to when new content goes out. Because again, Claire Chats isn't just a podcast. It's a personal brand. So I do all kinds of stuff. I do blog posts. I do videos every once in a while. I do um, some, I've done a couple Instagram lives. I've done uh, Facebook posts, uh, like resharing other articles I find that are really, really good. So stuff like that. So if you go on the web website, you'll get all of my own content. And then on Facebook and Instagram, I handle is x claire laurel so you can check that out too where i reshare content or i um share like on instagram i share pictures and just like what i call daily philosophy so just random thoughts i have 
um, during the day that I like to share in like short little blurbs. So you can check all of that out. Thanks again, guys, for listening. I know this episode was a little bit longer, um, but I'm going to try to keep future episodes around that 20-minute mark. We'll see how close I stick to that. I hope you guys have um, a great rest of your day, night, week, whenever you're listening to this, and tune in next time for another episode of Clear Chats. Thank you.